This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome back in. You were listening to the November 9th, 2018 episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a word of his podcast dedicated to answering your fantasy football questions. We are brought to you by the fine folks over at my book. You play, you win, you get paid. I'm your host, Jeremy Hart of Fantasy Gumshoe, and joining me today on the show is a senior fantasy analyst here at The Viz, The Road of Viz. He is the creator of FFDraftPrep.com and its corresponding apps on this site. He is the host of the Fantasy Football Show here at The Viz, and I know you already listen to him each and every week. Welcome back to the show, Dave Cabin. That is at Dave Cabin FF on Twitter. Dave, my man, what's good? I feel like we have the mastermind of the Fantasy Football Show. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Here, like, if if I were to give you a title <laughs> for that show, right, like, you would be the Larry David of the Fantasy Football Show. Oh, well, I, I love to hear that. That uh, you, You're already juicing me up for a, a good pod here. That, that's got me energized. So, I, I, obviously, because of the drops and everything that you professionally do over there on that show, I mean... <laughs> What's better, Seinfeld or Curb Your Enthusiasm? Can it is it almost a comparison? Oh gosh, um, here's my take on that. It's it's a very nuanced type of thing. Now, clearly on HBO, they were able to do some things that Seinfeld was not able to do, being on you know regular cable uh, at the point in time when it came out. Having said that, I do still believe that Seinfeld to me is the more enjoyable show overall. Even though I think the writing in Curb Your Enthusiasm might be a little bit better. And it might appeal to a broader audience, but I have to say, when I still consider it all, I do like Seinfeld better, even though they're both tremendous shows. Yeah, it's just classic. It's iconic, right? I, I can't argue with you there. I just, it's Larry David and Curb Your Enthusiasm, man. It is just so relatable to me. The dude is, is yeah. he's right 85% of the time on, on the niceties and the pleasantries and, and what you're supposed to do and do not do socially, you know what I mean? But like, he just takes it to the umph degree is the only issue that he has. But I feel like I am Larry David walking incarnate in life and my wife yells at me about it all the time. Well, that explains why I feel like uh, I'm able to relate and get along with you. Because 
I would like to, I have a many, many of the same thought processes of Larry David. However, I am a much more agreeable person, uh, if you will, than Larry. I avoid confrontation. I'm normally pretty passive <laughs> until need be. So it's like I'm the complete opposite, but all of these thoughts are running through my head. So perhaps, you know, one day I can, I can be more like you. Well, I guess that just makes me a little bit more Costanza because I'm the subconscious Larry David. That makes you a little bit more <laughs> Seinfeld. And um, I guess that leaves Freeman to be Kramer when it's all said. Oh, my done. gosh. <laughs> I think Freeman could be his own character practically. It, yeah, absolutely. I, I think Freeman is really just like, uh, you know, he's he's futuristic Larry David. Like, he's thought of it oh. all. Well, <laughs> he has. Hopefully we're we're gonna answer all the questions and uh, leave Larry David at the back door here as we talk to player and team outlooks, dynasty slants, DFS rants, you name it. Dave, before we dive right in though, you pen the amazing three and out series each week here at the Viz, and week ten is upon us. Give us the highlights for week ten. What you're looking forward to here? Well, the first thing that we're gonna look at in this week's article are players that are seeing increasing opportunity. Uh, since week six. So a couple of the names that stood out to me uh, are Willie Sneed, Adam Humphreys, and Spencer Ware. Uh, and I found Sneed to be particularly interesting because there are a number of different metrics you can look at for him, such as expected points, total targets, market share, a whole slew of things that have been trending very positively for Sneed. Now keep in mind, he's on the Ravens, the team that is passing the ball at the highest rate per game. So clearly the wide receiver, too, in that offense, which he's become, should be a very intriguing player, yet he's only owned in about 20% of ESPN leagues. So we're going to look at him, kind of take a look at the Buccaneers. Can we expect more from Adam Humphreys moving forward? We also take a look at Spencer Ware. And one thing I've been writing about a lot this season that I'm going to try not to do in this week's uh, version of the article is just to talk about the insane number of targets that so many running backs in the league are getting, but it is just such an important trend that I'm having trouble not focusing on it, uh, you know, once every couple of weeks. So that's kind of the flavor of uh, this week's article. I try to mix it up, but we're at the point where now some of these trends, like I said, with the running back targets is just really hard to ignore. Yeah, it's, it's it's fantastic. I mean, you you brought up the running back targets. We're taking a look at Duke Johnson. We've only got a one-game sample of the coaching actually doing what they're supposed to do, right? Like, you know, the, the ex-Bruce Arians disciple running back coach coming in and using the running back like the wide receiver and making plays designed for him, but it's only a one-game sample. So, like, how much do you actually project for that? And, I mean, Another name you brought up, Adam Humphreys, like, ugh, gross, how did we get here? But uh, alas, two weeks running now, we've got Adam Humphrey targets up the wazoo, and it seems to be Fitzpatrick's new Chris Godwin. You know what I mean? Chris Godwin's left at the front door. So just a ton of stuff going on here. We're 10 weeks in, and it seems like we just we never get enough sample to really grasp what, what we're doing or what we're going to do here, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's always going to be the challenge with a game such as football to begin with, but then there's all these different splits that you need to take into account. So like you said, it's just really challenging to kind of tease out what is actual actionable information from these small samples. Well, a lot of the times you're able to take that actionable information and turn that into tomorrow's moves today, leveraging strength the season and team level trends. Now you and your other half hash these out each week. So I don't want to dive too deep into these here, Dave, but uh, a couple names I wanted to rehash and get your thoughts on. Uh, Russell Wilson, of course, he's going to be um, complete. Um, 
playing this this you know it should be a high paced game, but you know his coaches are a bunch of adults and they just like to run the ball. We've got Nick Chubb, <laughs> DJ Moore, Traquan Smith here. So uh, you know Nick Chubb, like we I I mentioned Duke Johnson there. How does that impact? Uh, Nick Chubb going forward, DJ Moore, just when we thought he was going to step in for Torrey Smith, he doesn't get the target share. We just saw a lot of uh, trickery with, with the likes of Curtis Samuel, who, by the way, like, finally, damn it, we have some Curtis Samuel action. I was so <laughs> steadfast in taking him in the late first last year, and it, it, it's not all lost, Dave. It's not all lost. But now Traquan Smith, and Smith likely to lose targets here. Des Bryant probably going to man the slot. Ben Watson going to come off the field a little a bit more so um yeah what do, you, what do you say on these guys here and and taking a look at tomorrow's moves today yeah so one of the things that i'd set up in the weekly stat explorer which is one of the tools that i pulled together that i'm really using when i'm focusing on this particular article uh what the tool does is it's going to look at for fantasy relevant players the difference um and the points that they score when they play a particular defense versus their average points per game so it's a different way of getting at strength of schedule, which sometimes will line up with just overall points allowed, like you might see on most sites where it's looking purely at how many points per game defenses are allowing to a particular position. Well, this kind of isolates it down more to the player level and the range of players that matter. So in the case of a guy like Russell Wilson, who obviously had a bit of a slower start than we were hoping, there are positive signs for him moving forward. Uh, as I talked about, the offensive line has started to play better. We've seen him being able to do a little bit more in the pocket. And the real encouraging thing for him when we look forward is he plays the fourth easiest schedule over the rest of the season among quarterbacks. He's been over 20 points since week five. Uh, he accrued some rushing uh, production against the Chargers, which is something that had been missing uh, prior to last week, which was impacting his points. So the positive signs are there. And the other key for me is he has now been consistently putting up passing touchdowns. Uh, going back to week five, he put up three, had three in week six, three in week eight, and then he had two over the weekend. So we're starting to see a little bit of a boost in his production, going over 20 points in a number of games now with that easy schedule. So I definitely like Wilson moving forward. Man, fantastic analysis there. And, and yeah, it's one of those things where we take, we always like to get a little bit more volume, uh, with the efficiency if we can get the volume and the efficiency together. But, you know, just good trends there. Looks like the efficiency, uh, efficiency, efficiency should start to pick up for one <laughs> Russell Wilson there. Um, yeah. what do you got on the, these other, uh, tertiary guys like DJ Moore, Nick Chubb? Um, you know, is he, uh, are these still viable plays going forward? DJ Moore, Trey Quan? Smith, do you still have them as wide receiver threes, or are you taking a backseat to these guys now? Yeah, well, well, to talk about Chubb, because he was my favorite player coming out of the class, not in that I thought that he was going to be the best. I just really liked what he had done in college and felt like he wasn't getting enough credit. So we've now seen absolutely tremendous volume since he's taken over as the main guy in that backfield. Uh, and he has the easiest running back schedule across the league between now and the end of the fantasy season, which is something that you can't ignore. This is a guy that's going to be getting probably a minimum a minimum of 18 attempts per game, which we've already seen him being explosive. In college, he was one of the most explosive players in terms of rushing for more than 20 yards um, at, at a clip. So he broke a lot of 20-yard runs. We've already seen him doing that in the NFL. So not only are you giving him more opportunity to accrue 
uh, you know, those small type of plays that are going to score points, but he now also has more opportunity to break those long runs. I understand that Duke Johnson did start to get involved last weekend. Some of that's going to be more game script dependent, but I still think even if Johnson starts getting a lot of work, you're going to see Chubb get to prove why he is, as I thought, an extremely talented back, the type of guy that at one point had possibly the best freshman season in SEC uh, memory. To get to Traquan Smith, uh, he plays a middle-of-the-road schedule. He's been averaging just three targets per game. I don't really think that we're going to see that get too impacted by Dez coming into the fold in New Orleans, but it certainly caps his ceiling. Uh, but to be honest, I kind of looked at him as a 2019 play for the majority of the season. Definitely has a profile where he can have a big game here and there, as you'd expect for any receiver playing with Drew Brees in that New Orleans offense. Uh, but it's going to be harder to see, obviously, with Des coming in, um, him getting to even like nine expected points every other, you know, he's only done that once this season, every other week it's been six or lower. So my, my expectations for him are a little bit tempered. DJ Moore, I feel better about because I can see more of an incentive for his team to get him involved and I can see more opportunities where he does. So I still think that uh, over the course of the rest of the season, DJ Moore is the type of guy that could be getting into your lineups on a more routine basis than a sniff. Yeah, just fantastic analysis there. I definitely want to be taking a look at DJ Moore on a routine basis and really going into the road of his apps there to take a look at, as he kind of alluded to, the expected points as it relates to Traquan Smith. And you can do that right now at a 30% discount. Just go to rotaviz.com slash podcast. Everything you sign up for through that page is going to be 30% off. So if you're listening to this show and you're not yet a member of rotaviz.com, get access to all the supreme uh, information, elite access check it out if you are not subbing to this show do so it takes hard work to get the show out each and every week do us a salad and hit that rate button and uh, we're up and live folks on rotaviz patreon that's right and we have one of the dudes i mean you you have the dude on air right now which is with you oftentimes on these sunday mornings answering all of your questions each and every sunday morning dynasty redraft uh in dfs it doesn't matter i don't know how else to say it but i'm gonna say it stop being a freeloader get in there and you're gonna have direct access to that elite show in addition to the 40 shows a month that we're already giving you all you have to do is give us five dollars a month that's it that's all we're asking for is five dollars a month save that starbucks that you're gonna buy tomorrow morning and you know get some folgers like folgers it gets a bad rap you know <laughs> folgers does not suck it's pretty good i drink folgers because you know sometimes when you drink too much coffee you got to take the economy route and you know what quite frankly we are giving you all of this information at an economy type price five dollars a month just go to rotaviz.com and then go to patreon.com slash rotaviz radio and last but not least if you have any questions you want answered on the show email us rotavizradio at gmail.com and we'll go ahead and get those set up for you as well all right can i jump in there for one second of course so seeing i i feel a little more free to do this thing as this is not 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 my show i'm a guest on this one just to put into perspective how much work can go into things I can confidently say, and obviously this isn't all the podcast, but I easily spend uh, over 30 hours a week working on football-related stuff in addition to the day job. Uh, so just to give you an idea of like the behind-the-scenes work and what people are doing to get this stuff out there, because uh, you know there's a lot more to it than meets the eye. Um, you know, a lot of people too, like uh, you know, it will help them 
just get different equipment, better equipment for doing the podcast and stuff. And I know a lot of that's just going to get invested back into doing this because, you know, regardless of, you know, the economic gain, if you will, I know a lot of us just really love doing it, which is why uh, we're doing this week in and week out. Yeah, it's it's just a passion. It's for the love of the game, right? That's what we do here. And uh, I mean, you alluded to it, right? I mean, you've got an executive administrative assistant work. You got to get all the shows, and you got to get the scheduling going. And then once you got your guests, you got to make sure leading up to it, the guest is still going to be on point with you. And then you got to get the outline together. Uh, that takes time. And then you got to record. You never know how that's going to go in terms of editability and so on and so forth. Then you got to do all that work behind the scenes. So, Dave. How many how many hours would you say on average you put into just one podcast that you produce? I'm gonna say it's I'm not, I'm not even joking. One show, six hours. Yeah, I was gonna say for me it's probably like five, maybe like five and a half, just because obviously yeah. Freeman and I do it every week, so we you know we kind of have everything streamlined for what we do. Um, but there's definitely. Easily, like at an absolute minimum, I would say it's five hours. Normally, it's closer to five and a half. And that's that's the in-season ones. Out-of-season take even longer, I think. There's the rule of thumb. Five hours to get out a show, $5 for Patreon. That's it. That's all we're looking for right there. All right, dive. Yeah. Let's uh, dive. Let's dive. Dave, let's dive in. Fire up the QQs for the week. Here we go. Redraft PPR. Pick one out of Jarvis Landry, Cooper Cup, or Marlon Mack this week. I know there's a Q tag on Mack. I'm not sure of any um, updates to that one yet in terms of injuries. Yeah, I don't know. I saw the same thing. I haven't seen any updates. So this is a tough one for me because I love Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. I just love Cooper Cup. There's no way around it. However, though, um, I think that the play here is Landry. Is that oh, I know. It's so bad. I know. 18 <laughs> expected points per game. He's playing against Atlanta, uh, who we all know has been very porous. There's been a lot of good performances against them. He's the main option in his offense. In the Ram, on the Rams, you know, in addition to there being Todd Gurley, uh, the most heavily utilized player in the league, you also have other talented receivers, just a good offense that might not need to rely on him. The Browns are going to have to get Landry involved. Now, I would like to say that you could roll with Mac. Uh, he is playing Jacksonville. They haven't been as good this season as they were last season at stopping running backs. However, Saquon Barkley with 21 points has the highest total when facing them. Uh, and Mac does have four red zone attempts on average over the last three games. But still, I think that you have to go with Landry because it's harder for me to envision scenarios in which he gets taken out of that game. Whereas I could see how Mac could become limited in not only his production, but also his opportunity. So roll with Landry. Yeah, I'm with you here. I mean... It- now is not the time. Like I, I get it. Like even the DFS. Like you just want to just like just glance over his name and keep going, right? But now he's got Landry. I think you know the challenge is now they they have to use Jarvis as an actual wide receiver versus a running back with training wheels. You know what I mean? So as Duke right. gets more involved, Landry's probably going to see his routes go a little bit deeper. Maybe there's a transition period there. I don't know, but I'm still willing to find that out. One more week against Atlanta for crying out loud like this. Ah, give me give me one more week. Um, because with Cooper Cup, I think, you know, he's, he's always going to have a solid game, but I think there's more ceiling potential here with Landry as well. Uh, the next one here, Dave, redraft PPR rest of season. What do you, uh, what do you suppose a split will be going forward for the Green Bay wide receivers and running backs? I want to trust Aaron Jones going forward, but I'm afraid of the coaching blunders. Randall Cobb is still there. Um, 
But yeah, we got Geronimo Allison gone. MVS, as as they as he's called these days, is is fresh on the scene. <laughs> well, I found the Packers backfield to be one of the most intriguing uh, units in all of football heading into the season. I've always been of the opinion that Jones is the better back. We're seeing that bear out in the numbers again. He is more productive. He's more efficient. He's just better than Williams. You can go back now a number of weeks. He's getting more attempts. He's on the field more, seeing more snaps than Williams, despite Williams' ability uh, as a blocker. So I actually think the coaching staff is going to start to get this right. We're probably going to see Jones get 60% of the work. Uh, th- listen, this is a dead horse at this point. Jones is better. The coaching staff's finally going to get it. In terms of the team's wide receivers, you're still going to have Adams sitting there getting nine, ten targets a game, commanding that receiving game. I think Jimmy Graham's going to slate in through the rest of the season as the number two option, and then you're going to see a split between Cobb and Valdez-Scantling. Uh, they'll probably be similar in targets, although Scantling will probably outperform Cobb in terms of air yards. Having said that, I'm not sure that either of them have a tremendous weekly value. Uh, so at this point, I'm expecting Graham to kind of turn things around a little bit and Adams to remain a stud. Yep, yep, with you there. Adams is a stud. I'm definitely on board with MVS here. I think he's just um, just going to, you know, inherently demand, uh, you know, seven or eight targets a game now. Just not going to pull down as much value, uh, volume as Adams here. Uh, Dave, what would be your best and worst purchase you've ever made? Uh, Green Bay made one called MVS, but what, what do you got? <laughs> uh, this bugs me because a couple of weeks ago, I did comment to my wife about something saying like, this is, it was something random. It wasn't anything major. I said, this is the best thing I've ever, I've ever purchased. It escapes me what that was. So I will say, my first house that I got was the best purchase, and I'm going to tell you why. It was a house that had been owned by uh, two elderly people. So when you went in, it felt like it was like 1960, 1970 maybe. But because of that, it really depressed the value of the house. It was very easy to make some modifications to modernize it, making it a tremendous deal. The value went up a lot. It was a good purchase. So I bring this up to say if you're looking for a house, your first house, you identify the neighborhoods where there's a lot of old people, you wait till they go on sale, you get them, it's much easier than you think to turn it around, and you, you, you gain tremendous value on that. Now, the worst purchase that I've made was there was one time I was in terrible need of a charger for, um, I don't, it was a phone and I forget, it was not an iPhone, it was before I had an iPhone and it was, there was a specific type of charger. I went into the store in a hurry, my phone was, was dead, I needed, needed it for some reason, I bought the wrong type of charger. So that was the, the worst uh, purchase that I've ever made. <laughs> it, it, when you, when you need it most, right? Uh, that, right. That's when it's not there. Sharp, sharp AF, as the kids say, on buying the house <laughs> there and identifying the right demographic, right? Like that's, yes. that's pretty sharp stuff. And I mean, they're, they're also, well, they're a little bit more motivated to to, to sell at yep. that time as well, and so yeah, yeah, and you you know, especially if you're up and coming, it's your first home. You're probably starting a family. That means the neighborhood's right. turning over too. So now you got, you know, and now you got the neighborhood turning over at the same time. So so well done, well done. Thank um, you, thank you. <laughs> Rest of the season, what are your thoughts on Demarius Thomas as a buy with Fuller out? He seemed to get involved early last week, just when everyone thought he was toast. Can Lamar Miller keep pace rest of season? Also, is Jordan Thomas a thing? Is he greater than Chris Herndon rest of way? 
my thoughts on Demarius Thomas, though I uh, like him a little bit better than Matt Freeman, who Lim just absolutely stuck it to him on uh, this week's pod that we had. Um, I think, though, that Thomas isn't necessarily a buy, not necessarily a sell either. I think we're going to see uh, very similar volume probably similar production uh, as to what he was doing in Denver. I don't think that you could say that there's going to be a major increase in touchdown or overall opportunity potential. Uh, and I think it's important to recognize, too, that Fuller was, av- or Fuller was averaging six targets per game, but he really made his money on types of plays that we're not going to see Demarius Thomas make. So trying to extrapolate the production and the performance of Will Fuller to Demarius Thomas is not the way to do it. Uh, in terms of Lamar Miller, it's a little bit of a mix bag for him moving forward uh in the beginning of the season he was struggling he started to turn around tough matchups in weeks 11 and 12 but i think he will be good for playoff time uh he definitely slopes with wins uh so he is more game script dependent than a number of running backs this season i think that thomas uh he he's been finding the end zone, but he's not really seeing a better overall volume than Herndon. Uh, so I think that I like Herndon more the rest of the season uh, as you have Thomas competing with some other talented players. And uh, let's be honest, the Jets aren't really uh, overflown with uh, talent. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, solid analysis across the board. Uh, you know, I think I'm I am bought into Jordan Thomas, but I mean, it's just, he's just a red zone guy. That's all he is. They still got Ryan Griffin. I just I can't I can't get down. There's a lot of miles to feed there. Um, Dave, if you had to become an inanimate object for a year, what object would you choose to be? So I just went with the first thing that came to mind because I I feel like I could have spent all week thinking about this. So I uh, picture a really really nice. Uh, library in a very uh, quaint, homely type of, of of house. Bookcases all around, maybe a warm fire going on. It's snowing outside. <laughs> I am a pillow. I'm a pillow on a couch in this library. Nobody ever comes in and bothers me except for uh, this one guy that lives there that has the perfect narrator voice, maybe like a Stephen Fry type of voice, and he always goes in and just reads out loud whatever book I would feel like listening to that day. But other than that, I'm, I'm left alone, uh, and, and I, I have some escape. The the picture that you just painted for me, Dave, as we gear up for the holiday season was from the movie <laughs> Scrooge with Bill Murray, and there's an elderly couple who lives in the neighborhood to which you buy homes, and there's... <laughs> <laughs> a red leather couch. There's like the, the 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 stiff, hard armchairs, and there's the old guy in the white hair and the red sweater vest, and he's in that room you just described. You were literally sitting on that couch as the pillow that I'm pretty much he threw. I'm uh, pretty sure he threw across the room and hit his cat or something because he did not like – like he was the, the CEO of the network where Bill Murray was just like lambasting somebody on, on the okay. air or something. I, I think that's what – that's coming to mind here basically. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. It's like, it's, it's very Victorian. It basically, <laughs> okay. you, you've got a Victorian lifestyle here is, is what we're, what we're going with here. Um, Josh Doxon has not been Victorian this year, Dave. He, uh, has not been like Maurice Harris, who has been pretty awesome in these last couple of weeks. Um, he wasn't awesome when I egregiously used him in DFS and now, 
I don't know. Am I going to use him in DFS? Gosh, I shouldn't. I really shouldn't. But, I mean, who else is going to catch the damn ball there? So the redraft PPR question here, I know I should be able to use one of these guys as a flex this week given the Tampa Bay matchup, but I'm not sure which one gets the target. So what say you on this one? I think that this really, like many decisions we face in setting our lineups with these type of players, it's really a coin flip. But I will say that over the last four weeks, Dawson has a significantly better whopper. Uh, if you're looking at targets in specific games, Harris has only out-targeted him in one of those games. Granted, it was with 12, which was ridiculous last week. Uh, but Dawson has been in that 10 expected point range all season. Harris, we've only seen a couple of blips, had a tremendous outing, but I do think that you're probably over the course of time better if you favor the Dachshund in this situation than if you favor the Harris, so stick with that process and go with Dachshund. I'll take the other side on this one. The only reason, Dave, because I'm I'm with you at a macro level 100%, I mean, this team is like... Ray Garrity in The Long Walk. It's an old 1979 <laughs> Stephen King novel that he wrote for fresh in, in college. And it, for whatever reason, it's like a futuristic dystopia type of totalitarianistic government. And they have this 100-man, 100-teenager walk. And basically, you get shot if and killed if you go below four miles per hour. And the walk doesn't end until there's one person remaining. That's the freaking one. Washington Redskins right now like everybody's hurt or at least has a questionable tag their left guard is down their right guard is down (laughs) and so I I bring it all back just to say like this team is just like dead on the field like they're dead team walking is what they are so like Josh Doxson you mentioned his whopper I just don't think you know, Jesus Smith can get the ball to him. So, like, you know, Cabri Bibbs, Maurice Harris, I think just by default these guys are going to have to get these throws four yards down the field. That's pretty much the only anecdotal analysis I got in that one, and that's probably the only anecdotal analysis you'll get from me. And he even got a Stephen King reference in there as well. Yeah, I liked that one. I liked that a lot, actually. <laughs> it, it was a very solid book. I think I remember reading it when I was 16 years old. There was like this dude named uh, Scribbins, I think it was. Well, his he was the illegitimate son of the character Major who ran this, this I'll call it a contest in air quotes, this, this death knell, so to speak. But uh, yeah. Why don't I, why isn't that a movie yet? I feel like that's something TNT or FXX would do or something. So I don't know. We'll see here. But I'm going to take the over on Maurice Harris's targets this week, and uh, I'll definitely take the under on that game in general. And I'm going to do that <laughs> over at my bookie here because look, watching football is fun, Dave. But it's definitely more entertaining when you have some action on the ga- uh, games. And guys, gals, you've heard me talking about it this week, last week if you're still out there on the sidelines fix it get on over there to my bookie whether you're an expert or a rookie you should be betting at my bookie if you're the kind of guy or gal that likes to bet a little and win a lot like playing the numbers on roulette you can play and create a big parlay uh pick three teams to win you hit all three you're going to turn a hundred dollars into six hundred dollars a thousand into six thousand hashtag math there's so much to bet on college basketball just 
picked up. I'm stoked as we lead into March Madness. Football, NBA, NHL, custom props, even esports. I feel like the Venn diagram between listeners of the Rotoviz channel and uh, watchers and, and just, you know, diehard esport guys, I'd say it's pretty, pretty tight knit there. So my bookie is one bet I know you're going to be happy with all year. I recommend it because I trust them. My bookie has been in business for years and they've got great online reviews and their mobile site is banging. Sign up this week and my bookie will give you a 50%, not a 50%. They're going to give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's just a great way to win more money as you play. Also, be sure to follow at that my bookie on Twitter. They personally respond to every single mention on DM and DM, not to mention they've given away more than $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season. You'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted. Do not miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports this year. Log on to my bookie right now and use promo code ROTOVIZ and you're going to get a 50% deposit bonus. Again, that's promo code ROTOVIZ. You play, you win, you get paid. You know what? I mean, we're just we're just going to take that. We're going to go right into the Fuck, Mary Kill this week. Okay. Rest of season Saints tertiary edition. We kind of let the cat out of the bag, but now we're going to put the feet to the fire here. We've got Traquan Smith, Mark Ingram, or Des Bryant. Well, I know we're saying rest of season, and I said that Smith really, to me, 2019 is going to be his season. But I'm going to say that you have to marry him because I don't want people to lose sight of the fact that this is a player that I think projects with a lot of value looking forward and has very good prospects. Ingram, you have to kill him. He needs to sit on your bench until something puts us uh, on notice that things have changed. So he's on the bench, which just leaves Dez for maybe one night of fun because I think he's probably going to have one awesome game, but I'm not expecting him to have a tremendous impact like you would think of a Dez Bryant type of player. It's got it's it's got to be that November 29th game. Is that it when he's back in Dallas? I don't I don't know the date actually, but yes, I, I that's one of the few narratives narratives that I love. Sports <laughs> the game. You got to, you got to, and I'm with you 100. percent You have to kill Mark Ingram because just inherently, Mark Ingram, you're killing because if Mark Ingram gets on the field, it's because New Orleans already has such a positive game script that tra- either Traquan Smith or Des Bryant already had a good game anyhow to get Mark Ingram on the stinking field. I'm with you there, 100%. All right, Dave, if you were given full reign, redesign the food pyramid, the Dave Cabin food pyramid, what would it look like? Well, one thing that I'll say is I, I really like to dip and put salad dressings on things, uh, which my wife is trying to discourage me from teaching my daughter to do. She's about she's going to be two in February and she's already wanting to dip uh, her food, in, in, like everything into some other type of, of food. Having said that, I think at the, the base of my pyramid, you have a lot of bread, pasta, pizza, things like that. Next layer, maybe you have burgers, cheese, some savory items. We work our way up to ice cream, a lot of ice cream, maybe a little bit of fruit in that layer, then salads, because again, I can put the dressing on them, which I like. And then finally, you group everything else into the top layer just so I can make sure if I want anything, it, it's a available to me in small doses ranch ranch oh yeah ranch ranch. you give me a dressing i'll do it i I have not been able to feed my kids something without ranch (laughs) for as long as they have lived it's it's unfortunate now i will say though the older kids are getting into ketchup i feel pretty bad allowing them to make this ketchup thing happen but like look if it's going to get them to eat their stinking dinner before they start asking for ice cream then i'm all about it have all the ketchup you need that's 
That's what I say. And what is it? Like, is it an age thing, Dave? Like, I used to be like a salt and bitters type of guy, right? Yeah. Hashtag dessert life all day long now. Like, I just dream about a wonderful, you know, <laughs> strawberry cheesequake <laughs> blizzard from, from Dairy Queen or something. Oh, like, that's, oh. that's good. Oh, I man. don't know. You know, I was always a bigger, like, I was never like a huge, like, chocolate person and that all of my desserts had to be chocolate flavored. I always pre- preferred vanilla, actually. But since I turned about, like, 25, there's been a dramatic shift, and now I find myself wanting chocolatey things more and more and more as the days go by. Yeah, gra- um, Grandma, the kids, Grandma Smidgey, just brought over homemade chocolate chip cookies, and I think the kids only are going to get, like, you know, 40% <laughs> to 60% of those cookies. Guaranteed. Uh, redress. PPR, Dave, with A.J. Green out as Tyler Boyd a better play now, or does all the attention hurt him compared to the cornerback two coverage he saw before? And what about John Ross? Does he get involved? Both Gio and Uzoma have questionable tags. It looks like they're both slated to play this week here. So uh, what do you got on John Ross, man? Like, this is just the dichotomy of uh, who the hell knows. I would not expect too much from John Ross. He just isn't a volume type of guy. So I think even if he does see targets, there's no guarantee that he has a big day or a usable day. That's just not his style of play. And I don't really think that they're going to try to prioritize him all of that much. Even if we do see one of those two guys that you mentioned sit in even with AJ Green out. Now for Boyd, I think we've seen him take tremendous steps forward this season. Things are clicking. Um, I don't think he's necessarily a better play because Green is out, but I still think that you have to expect him to perform well. I don't think he's necessarily going to buckle under the pressure that he's going to see being the main guy or drawing the more difficult coverage. One of the reasons for this is he sees targets at a much shorter distance downfield than a type of player like an A.J. Green, which lends itself to a higher percentage type of play, uh, especially when you compare that to maybe if you're seeing uh, multiple coverage downfield or being covered by a better uh, corner. So I, I still think that you play Boyd as if nothing changed. Yeah, I'm with you there, 100% across the board. Now, let me ask you, how hard was it to go through that while your cat is licking your elbow? Oh, that's right. You can see it. I'm I'm so used to it at this point. You can probably hear him making noises in the background. You can probably hear my dog licking, barking. Uh, you know, I've had to. It just they're just the challenges that I've had to learn to overcome uh, every every week getting these shows out. Going back to the Patreon, I mean, you have cats, dogs, kids. I have kids, and and it is impossible to get just complete pristine shows without having to go back and edit something out because you know someone is thumping like throughout this show i know i'm gonna have to go back and edit my two-year-old jumping on the floor upstairs because i mean we can try to soundproof everything as much as possible but you know we're just you know we're like doing this in the middle of kindergarten cop like that's what right. we are that's 100 percent. Oh, love that movie love that movie Get back to the chop. It's not a tumor. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were just going for the same one, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, it's not a tumor. It's John Ross. And I just, gosh, even with the increased opportunity, I don't know if I can go there. Even from a DFS perspective, I think on DK is 3.9. Maybe I'll take a couple shots there. I just, I don't think I can do it here. Um, but, all right, yep. we're going to we're gonna jump right into um, Josh Gordon here in redraft. Can you... 
Um, put Josh Gordon in the elite wide receiver one territory the rest of the way. This person needs help at running back and is thinking about moving Keenan Allen for him because he could potentially pick up Philip Lindsay as well. No, you can't. I know that everybody would like to, but you can't put Josh Gordon into that elite wide receiver one range just yet. Tremendous game against the Packers, but still, uh, with his 24 fantasy points, by and large, his best game of the season had been down closer to the 13 mark before that. We still haven't seen his expected points make huge jumps. I know he did see the 10 targets, but my point is, in an offense like the Patriots, where we still have the possibility that Gronk emerges some games, um, where there's other guys that can get used, I don't think you can slate him into that wide receiver one range just yet. I think he's more of a wide receiver two the rest of the way with a big game here or there. Having said that, I actually am intrigued by this trade because I think that you could make a very strong case that Gordon and Allen in some ways are analogous. And uh, you add in the help at running back, which this person needs, I don't see any reason for them not to do it. So this is one trade that I actually do like, and I would say make the move for the running back help. Yeah, well, I'm with you. I'm with you. Just spot on analysis across the board, and I feel like if you're even on the Gordon Lindsay side, it seems like he's given up a little bit too much here, even for Keenan Allen. Like I feel like there should still be something going back the other way, but um, right. you know, you're approaching like if you're if you're the Keenan Allen, um, the the Josh Gordon Philip Lindsay side, and you're looking to get up to Keenan Allen. I mean, you're clearly in shooting for the playoffs and you're in roster consolidation mode right now, right? Just trying to, to to truncate those bench spots into the best, most optimal starting lineup you can. So I get it for both sides across the board here. Uh, Dave, Shark Tank app idea that does not exist today. What do you got for us? I think that my app idea would have to be some type of excuse generator or something <laughs> that lets me just escape the world for a while. So basically... It's just like, uh, you know, if somebody calls me, it somehow gives them a very great excuse, something very reasonable that lets me off the hook. If it's an email, a text I don't want to respond to, it just deals with it. And more than anything, like, I don't, I'm completely unaware of this. It just filters it all out. So I'm in my room, I'm the pillow, and nobody can get in contact with me. I love it. 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 Now, the downside, though, is eventually all those excuses do end up catching up with you down the road. So I feel like if you <laughs> if you had to name this app, we're gonna call it Kick the Can. We're gonna I like it actually. That's a that's a great name. <laughs> we're gonna call it Kick the Can. And as long as you keep kicking the can, unfortunately you still gotta keep working to kick the can, but as long as you keep the kick the can, like that that is a one hundred percent awesome idea. Now, I just so happened to recently download free advertisement there, something called RoboKiller. I believe that's what it okay. is, um, to to remove spam calling from my cell phone that I seemingly get all day long once I started to use my cell phone for, for you know, companies and this and that because I just don't yep. use the house phone because the house phone is really just, you know, it came with the internet, right? And, it, well, I may as well keep it because it's a house phone, it's a landline, and it's safer for 911 calls and all that good and fun stuff. But, uh, yeah, RoboKiller, it, it doesn't necessarily kick anything down the, the street. It's not an excuse generator, but it autobots different random, uh, basically proactive prank messages for yep. you know spammers that call you so they hear something weird when they're calling you and i just like to go back and listen to those recordings so i feel like well let me let me just make one caveat here and i'm going to bring this up even though i know that we're probably i'm i'm taking up a lot of time here but my purpose for this i, I don't care 
I can get called from the <laughs> from the spammers. I can get called. I can get texts. I can get emails. I can get spam up the wazoo. I just don't want to have to have it be anybody that I can't hang up on that I have to talk to and have like a conversation and be interested in, right? <laughs> like I'm filtering out. It's not the people that I don't know. I'm filtering out the people that I do know. <laughs> That's a very important distinction. I yes, yes. Touche on that one. Yeah, there are many people where I could use an excuse generator that are in my life. Um, maybe within these walls. That's neither here nor there. Maybe between these right. walls. Yeah. I didn't say. <laughs> I didn't say. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not watching over my back now. All right, here we go, Dave. Week ten, either or, rapid fire. David Johnson, Nick Chubb. Uh, David Johnson. Melvin Gordon, Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill. Julio. Here's a package. Lions wide receivers or Rams wide receivers? You basically are, you know, you're looking at two versus three here, but uh, ugh, that's Rams wide receivers. Okay. Even with the three versus the two with the concentrated uh, Gallaudet and Jones now, huh? But I guess it is really three versus three because now you got three O'Riddick. Um, right. Yeah. Well, actually, I would say that the the, the it, you could look at it two ways. You could say that the opportunities can get spread more over the Lions wide receivers, so they could have a better day. But you could also say on the Rams side, you have a higher opportunity of one of the three players hitting and then making it a good call. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Right on. Uh, Jared. So Cook, it depends on how you look at it. Yep. Yeah, and and you got efficiency on your side. That's that's for sure. And right. and 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 plus coaching. That's probably not to be forgotten as well. Um, Jared Cook, Jimmy yep. Graham. Uh, Jimmy Graham. Njoku or Austin Hoopa? This is a very tough call. Extremely similar options here. Models put them uh, at the same numbers, more or less, uh, in the same game. But I think I have to go Njoku because there's fewer options on his side of the ball that I think can make a significant impact uh, in comparison to Hooper. Aaron Rodgers or Ryan Fitzpatrick? Easy. Fitzpatrick. No question about it. And I'm I'm actually serious about that. A hundred percent. It's both fun and I'm a hundred percent serious. I I would roll up Fitzpatrick over Rogers this week. You have to. I mean, they, they're not gonna. I, I I'm gonna end up eating my words here, but they they can't go back to Winston now. They just they just can't do it. Even if Fitzpatrick can come out and have a bad game, but like you can't keep playing quarterback carousel. Um, you, you have to just stick with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like they were very quick to give it the rock back to Winston, but once he faltered, they were very quick to go back to Fitzpatrick. And there was plenty of clear, you know, just uh, dissension you can see in the locker room right. for Winston. So I mean, Winston's done in Tampa. They're they're going to keep him healthy. So they don't have to pay him next year. So I'm with you there. Alex Smith, Andrew Luck. Uh, another easy one. Uh, it's definitely Andrew Luck. I realize he's playing the Jags, um, who quarterbacks opposing the Jags have been averaging close to Smith's um, points per game average. But uh, you definitely would want to roll out Luck over Smith. Uh, I think the probability and the odds are much more in favor of Luck outscoring Smith than they are not. Dave, take a favorite or popular movie. Change one letter in the title. What's the new movie? What's it all about? Okay. Uh, the spelling, we can kind of work with that, but it would be called, as I alluded to earlier, we have the cat and the dog. I have a little dog named Phoebe. She's a Maltese poodle mix. We think she's a rescue, so we don't really know. I love this dog. She's very sweet. She's wonderful, but she does not stop barking. So the movie <laughs> would be called 
Barknado, and it's basically a bunch of little Phoebes, little dogs, maybe some Chihuahuas, and what they just run around just barking and attacking people and terrorizing them. So instead of sharks, you have little dogs, and it's Barknado. That sounds horrible. <laughs> it just sounds so bad. Oh my yeah. goodness! Could you, could you imagine? Like, how many? Okay, would you rather fight one hundred bulldog-sized um, Shih Tzus or one? I don't. I, I don't know where I'm. You know where I'm trying to go with this one, right? So what's what's worse, the really big dog or many little dogs? Oh, many little dogs, I think, for sure. Many little dogs, no question about it. What if the really big dog is Cujo? Like, he's got rabies, foaming at the mouth. <laughs> um, Change your answer then. I mean, I think if once rabies come into the equation, I think that, <laughs> that changes the situation significantly <laughs> enough that I would probably, I would rather avoid that. But I, these little dogs, man, they seem rabid. Now, I'm going to bring up something that always bothers me. When these people that have little dogs will present it like, oh, you know, my dog is a big dog trapped in a little dog's body or, oh, my little dog thinks they're big. No, people. The way that it works is these small <laughs> dogs were bred to be the ones that would do the barking. They're the watchdogs. The guard dogs don't instinctively bark because they're waiting to get alerted by the watchdogs and then they don't need to make themselves known and tell people to back off because they're big. So little dogs do the barking. Little dogs are generally more aggressive. So there's this whole... uh misconception with the dichotomy of the big dog versus the small dog, and I'm very glad that I got that off of my chest. A lot no, of anger tonight. It was a rough day. I'm, I'm, I'm letting it fly. I think you're bringing Larry it. David out of me. Normally, I'm not, I'm, I'm not as uh, uh, pointed as I am tonight. Give me, give me your thoughts on dog owners um, that I don't want to say. I don't know how else to say So I'm just going to say dog owners that treat their dogs or animals as children. No, I, I'm okay with it. I like it. I think that for a lot of people, it fills a particular void that they were otherwise unable to have. Uh, I completely get it. You have the dog. It really is just as much of a family or part of your family or as much of a person to you as, as other people really are. So I, I get it. I, I, I get it. I think that sometimes it can go to the extreme, which perhaps I could have been accused of in the past. But uh, no, I get it. I don't have any no qualms. Ted, touche, touche, and and well stated. I will, I will concede. I will uh, comply <laughs> and concede, as they say. All right, redraft PPR. Start three out of Corey Davis, Tevin Coleman, Aaron Jones, Duke Johnson, and Brandon Cooks. Whew. Uh I'm going to say Tevin Coleman. Positive signs last week, obviously. Uh, you know, he should have a pretty good volume. Uh, I would then slate in Duke, hope that that momentum carries, chase that chance for another big game, and then probably Brandon Cooks because I think his offensive situation is much better than what you have with Corey Davis and Aaron Jones. It could be a bit of a crapshoot if he's going to be able to get into the end zone or not. And uh, it is always possible, though I do like his prospects better than Williams, that uh, for whatever reason, they do kind of lean on Williams more than you would expect. So Coleman, Johnson, Brandon Cooks, no question about it. Yep, with you there as well. And uh, I mean, geez, you got some pretty solid options going forward here. So kudos, good luck in the fantasy playoffs there. All right, Dave, the moment in history you would choose to go back in time and witness in person tough one. I had to think about this a little bit. I couldn't really come up with anything good, but I imagine that it would have been pretty exciting to be witnessing the moon landing. Uh, so I think that would have been a pretty cool uh, thing to get to see happen. And it must have just been, I, I have to imagine, extremely exciting uh, for just so many reasons. 
I feel like what's more exciting than the moon landing would be like the behind the scenes shots of the moon landing of like just the presidential office and they're like hello is this thing on is this thing on how do you work this thing and they're just literally using this technology for the first time ever i feel like it was not as smooth as what you actually saw on tv or what people saw on tv i feel like there was like 20 takes that the public just didn't see yeah that's probably true that's probably true (laughs) And, and then, oh gosh, like, could you imagine being out there just floating around for the first time, you know, like, eh, I mean, no, I can't, but okay, I'm gonna tell you something ridiculous here. So, Game of Four my Square, wife's, what's that? Game of Four Square on the moon. <laughs> so, get this my wife's nana dated Buzz Aldrin for a very long time. So it was, po- they never got married, but it almost came to that. So it was possible that my wife's step grandfather would have been Buzz Aldrin. So imagine that just as a kid being like, yeah, my grandfather uh, is basically like who they made the character Buzz Lightyear uh, from Story After, or to, from Toy Story After. To infinity and beyond, of course. Yeah. So I'm basically talking to Buzz on the line right now with me. Yes, absolutely. How did, how are you, how is your cat not named Buzz? That's what I need to know. That seems like a missed <laughs> opportunity, Dave. Yeah, my, actually, that might have been a decent decent name for him, too. We'll have to think about that for the next one. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Take us out, Dave. Give us a sizzle and smoke and scorch and hot take for week 10. Julio Jones found the end zone last week. Ooh. People are saying this is where things turn around. No. Calvin Ridley has another three-touchdown game. Oh, you're just bringing the troll job hardcore right now. Oh, I love it. I love it, and I hate it all the same. You are just a monster. You are 100 little dogs attacking Rotoviz Nation right now. That's what's going on here. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag with all of Dave's little dogs terrorizing you with Calvin Ridley impressions. If you have any questions you want answered on the RV Mailbag, submit them via email at rotavizradio.gmail.com or on Twitter at rotavizradio using the hashtag RV Mailbag. Dave, always a pleasure, man. Thanks so much for carving out the time and coming on the show. Give us the deets. What's going on? What do you got upcoming here? Well, actually, I want to thank you for having me on, and I, I'm going to throw away the plugs and just mention that uh, I wanted to bring up here, when I first started doing fantasy stuff and like first started posting stuff on Twitter, you were the first person that checked out something, wrote positively about it, and, and said for people to give me a follow. So I've always uh, been super appreciative of that and just wanted to you know, thank you again for that. You also encouraged me to get into the podcasting here, too. So uh, you know, just thanks again, man, for... Uh, the support and having me get involved in things. I just want people out there to recognize, uh, you know, that uh, you're a pretty good dude, in my opinion. So that's it. Yeah, well, thanks for that, man. Nothing but love. You know, it's a beautiful thing. I, 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 we actually had Gretch on the show, and he mentioned the same thing, and I was like, wow, did I really do that? And it was like, oh, yeah, I guess... I guess I did, but you know, that's, that's the camaraderie in this community. And, you know, not to get all, you know, sappy on everyone, but you know, that's the way it's supposed to be, right? Like we're supposed to be there to right. pick each other up. We're supposed to be there to give somebody a voice when, when it needs to be heard. And if you see talent out there, like make it happen and, and get them in front of, you know, just where they can shine, get in the limelight because, uh, you know, I'm just sitting back here. I got one foot in the door these days and I just love staying involved in the industry and keeping the show going and that way I can just kind of see 
you know, flowers like Dave Cave and just blossom and, and go and do their thing. I'm like, I'm like the dude on officer and a gentleman, right? Like I'm the guy getting, get who's, who was the actor? I think that was Richard Gere, right? I'm just getting them out of boot camp. That's, that's all I'm doing. That's all I'm doing. I don't know how you go back to these these movie references so quickly on 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 any topic. I I clearly it means I need to get a freaking life. That's what's really going on here. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's either that or I can bring the Paw Patrol references, and uh, I'm gonna save okay. that. Early. Yep. I'm going to save the Paw Patrol for later. But uh, uh, Dave, my man, Cabin, uh, that's at Dave Cabin FF on Twitter. Do not forget to rate and review the show on iTunes. And we out you. I'm Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag or Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Fantasy Gumshoe. Tell your friends about us, and do not forget to sign up for a 30% discount through our podcast homepage on rotoviz.com. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Factory. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.